Again, we are we're going to cover uh, John uh, four or in chapter fourteen verses four through eleven. So let me. I'm going to back up. I'm going to start um, and just start in verse one, just because um, this this is all one piece of a conversation or one. Uh, this is this this is all one conversation from Jesus, and so I think it helps us just to to put it all together. I'm going to start back in uh, verse 1. And again, these words of comfort that we have here from uh, our Lord. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way you know, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how we know and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father. And it is sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our uh, time this morning. Father, we thank you for the rain that's falling outside today. Father, we pray that you will uh, use that rain to water the earth, make the grass grow and green and feed the animals. And we pray that you will, uh, this morning as we open your word, Father, uh, we ask that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher this morning. Father, we pray that the word as we know it is living and breathing and active. Father, we pray that you will use your word today uh, to teach us and to, and to uh, change us and make us more like Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> By way of introduction to our uh, verses here today, uh, Sproul spent some time uh, kind of going, uh, reviewing some things. And um, he started out by reminding all of us of the and you guys remember this, the um, the confession that the Apostle Peter gave, that we have always called, good morning, how are y'all, uh, that we've called the Great Confession. Uh, y'all remember uh, this, that it happened in um, Caesarea, uh, Caesarea Philippi, when Jesus asked him, you remember, Jesus asked him, who, who do men say that I am? Remember that question. He's with the disciples, and he, what, are, what are the people saying about me? That's the question, right? What are they saying? Who do they say that I am? And you remember some of the answers they got, right? What were the people saying? Y'all remember some of them, right? Some said Elijah, right? Some said some said John the Baptist. That's right. Some some said Jeremiah, right? Some they had some 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 ideas, right, about who Jesus was. Well, then when Jesus heard those answers, then Jesus made it personal, didn't he? He asked he asked the follow up question. Who do you say that I am? Right? The world's out here saying things. Yeah, the, 
that the other folks are saying things. They got their own ideas about who I am. And then he made it personal. He said, who do you say that I am? And then, of course, we know that, uh, that answer. We call it the great confession. What did Peter say? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. An amazing confession, right? Absolutely true. Couldn't say it any better. You are the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. And what, how did Peter, uh, excuse me, how did Jesus respond? Well, he congratulated him, right, on his answer. He congratulated him. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. Now, Dr. Sproul uses uh, or mentions the account of the great confession that we're referring to from Peter. Um, He uses this to remind us, uh, before we dive into the passage that's before us, that the church that Christ is building, okay, started building and is still building, must always be a confessing church. The church that Christ is building must always be a confessing church. We are not, of course, our, our liturgy that, uh, that we have, right, in our, our order of worship, every uh, Sunday uh, we have uh, confession of our faith. We use the Apostles' Creed. Um, we're not, and, and we're not simple, when we, when we think about confessing, what, what, is, what does he mean when he says the church must be a confessing church? We're, we're not simply saying that uh, we must be uh, confessing our sin as we bring those things before God, um, but, but rather what our faith is, our confession of faith. Again, we use the Apostles' Creed is where I was going with that, right? We, we say that uh, in our uh, worship service. And what's the question that uh, the pastor always asks us before we recite it? Christian, what do you believe? Now, you know, we do it every Sunday. Some people say, you know, you probably shouldn't do it every Sunday. It gets repetitious, right? Uh, they say, well, you know, you, you kind of take it for granted or something. Um, I don't know, what do you answer to that? How would you answer that? Well, it helps me every week, and I have to think. I can not just say it. I'm trying to I really try to think what I'm confessing. Mm-hmm. Is this what I really believe? Yes, this is what I believe. And I need to be reminded. Amen. Amen. It, uh, for those that uh, I heard somebody kind of make light of it, for those who who said, you know, we may not ought to do this every Sunday, say, well, would you say would you say the same thing about taking up the offering? <laughs> no, we need to do it every Sunday. Well, if we need to do that every Sunday, then we're going to confess our faith every Sunday. It was kind of making a light of it, but but you get the point. It was, you know, hey, we do this every Sunday, and so this this confession that R.C. was talking about, this confession of our faith, what we believe is crucial to uh, the church. Uh, Christ promised, uh, He promises redemption, salvation, to those who believe in His resurrection in their heart, and they also do what? Confess it with their mouth. It's not enough just to believe it with your heart. Right? We learn that over in Romans. Paul tells us that in Romans 10. If you must believe in your heart, but you also must confess with your mouth. Now, it is... Uh, absolutely crucial I think these are Sproul's words these are absolutely crucial that we confess the uniqueness of Christ the uniqueness of Christ and you think about 
When you think about that statement, the uniqueness of Christ, when you think about Christianity as a world religion, right? When you when you put it and you set it alongside all of the other world religions, right? You look at look at the, the 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 mainstream world religions that we want to talk about, right? Look at look at all the other ones. What's different about Christianity? What's different about Christ? The resurrection. What else? What what makes Christ and Christianity unique? Absolutely right answer. Every other world religion, your salvation, right? How you write with God is based on works. It's based on what you do. Every other world religion. Christianity is the only one that says you can't do it. God says I have to do it for you. Isn't that, you just think about that for a minute. If you've ever found yourself doubting, if you've ever found yourself, man, is Christianity right? Is this the, is, am I in the right place? Because all these other people say they're right and they have the right way to God. If you've ever done that, and it's okay if you've done that, right? And you go back to this, this faith, this is a faith, this is completely unique. It is its own thing. It is different from every other world religion. So much so different that we know that man could not come up with this, could they? All those other religions man came up with. And so since man came up with the religion, what was the answer to salvation? Man. Because they came up with it, right? That was their answer. That's how they uh, chose to get back to God. I came up with it, so the way I get to God is I have to do this. I have to do A, B, and C. Completely man-focused, isn't it? So we know that we must confess the unique. We, we know our, our our faith is unique. Uh, that Christ is unique. And 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 Peter said, Peter back to his confession says, "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God." The the Apostles' Creed. We already mentioned it, right? It uh, it echoes this statement when it says, "What I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son." Our Lord. He's unique. We confess it in our Apostles' Creed. And so, from the very beginning of the Christian church, the uniqueness of Christ as the Son of God has been at the heart of our confession. It's been at the very heart. And of course, we we say this because today, as you as you well know, uh, to to claim the exclusivity of Christ is labeled as what? Well, how are we labeled? If we claim the exclusivity of Christ, it's politically incorrect, right? You can't say that. Don't bring that into the world, right? That's that's politically incorrect, right? Uh, Dr. Sproul tells of a time when he was in college and um, he had a professor, a woman professor, who was openly hostile towards the Christian faith. Uh, he said that uh, in class, she she never missed an opportunity to attack Christianity. Never missed an opportunity to attack Christianity in her class. And so uh, one day, uh, I, don't, I don't know what, what prompted this, he really didn't say, but she asked, Dr. I guess she knew uh, Sproul was a believer. She asked R.C., I guess he's before Dr. Sproul, right? He's still in college, right? So asked R.C., straight question, point blank. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to God? 
Now, you know, I, I, he didn't tell me how big the class was. I can I, I can remember some of like my freshman year classes. You know, before I went uh, to the Citadel, we were up at up at Winthrop. For Citadel's got small classes. Winthrop had some big classes. Like, yeah, you know, two hundred people in a class, right? Big auditorium. You know, that's kind of the the typical college route, right? Um, but I can just imagine being a freshman, eighteen, nineteen years old, new, trying to establish myself. You know, as a college student, trying to figure all out. And then having a professor who I'm supposed to look up to and, and value what they believe, I could just imagine how I would, what would I say? You know, how would I, what would I be tempted to say? You know, you might, uh, it's, it's, uh, you're in a tough spot, right? You're in a tough spot. All right. He said that I knew how she felt. I knew her hostility towards Christianity. And he said, you know, you had these conversations with yourself here you know, in the head. He says, you know, if, if, if I said what I believed, then I know what's going to happen. She's going to go off on me here in the classroom. She's just going to go off on me. And he says, but if I don't say what I believe, well, that's even worse, isn't it? I'll be, I'll be guilty, in his words, of high treason to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, which is accurate, isn't it? To deny him before men. Yeah, that's, that's high treason. Guilty of high treason. And so he said, he said, so I mumbled an answer. <laughs> you know, maybe, it, who knows what it sounded like. Oh, yeah, 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 or something. Who, who knows, right? What, what happened? He said, I mumbled the answer. And she said, what was that? Excuse me? I, I didn't hear you. Can you give me the answer, please? And he said, yes, ma'am, I do. I do believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. And she responded with something probably, you've probably heard something like this before. Uh, She said, that is the most narrow-minded, arrogant, bigoted thing that I've ever heard a student say. Hmm. Now, the rest of the class, she says, just kind of stared at me. Like, what now? You know, what What now? What do, what do I do now? He said after, he said after the class, uh, they, were, they were leaving, and, and I guess the, the moment passed, and, and it is what it is, but after the class, she, she stopped him after the class. She said, you know, I'm sorry. She said, uh, I, didn't, I didn't mean to be so hard on you. She said, but I just can't understand how anyone could be that narrow-minded. She still believed that. That was what she believed, right? And uh, she said, I hope you can understand my problem. Or no, he said, I hope you can understand my problem. Her, in his defense, right? He says, I, I've been, this is Sproul back talking to his teacher now. Professor, I've been convinced that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I'm a Christian. I've been convinced of that. He says, there's, there's nothing more foundational to the Christian faith than the confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. There's nothing more foundational. If he and then he applied some some logic here, and he says, you know, if I said that Jesus was the only way because he happened to be my way, and that because he's my way logically, then uh, that I believe that that must be the only way to think, and so then I would agree with you and your assessment that I'm narrow-minded. I'd agree with that if if I believed in my heart. It's my way. This is personal, right? I just came to this 
And because I think this way, everybody else has got to think this way, then yeah, I said, I, I would agree with your assessment that I was narrow-minded. He says, but I hope you understand this, why I believe this. He says, I believe this because Jesus said that. I believe it because Jesus said that. He said He's the only way. And if I deny that, then I deny Him. Now, there's probably uh, no, I agree with him, probably no greater point of pressure in our society than that very point. The point that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We've, we've had this conversation here in class before. You know, generally, especially in South Carolina, the Bible Belt, you can talk about God. right? Generally, it's, it's accepted, right? But as soon as you mention the name of Jesus, you get in trouble sometimes. Right? People, his name, right? Either you're with him or against him. We can, we can have this conversation about God and we can say things about our faith, but as soon as we mention Jesus' name, sometimes, I mean, Jesus' name divides, doesn't it? It divides people because there's truth surrounding who he is and what his name means. So we know that, that it is a huge pressure point here is what he was trying to say. This fact that Jesus is the Son of God. The only way. Our, um, He says even some of our friends, our community, maybe even our co-workers, and, and dare we say even some churches tell us we needed to deny the uniqueness of Christ. But to do that, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, if if a church does that, they're denying their own confession of faith. Uh, and more importantly, uh, we're if we deny that, then we're denying Jesus' own confession about himself. Okay, so dangerous, dangerous territory. This, by way of introduction, where he was going with this is because in today's passage, what's before us? It's another one of the I am sayings, right? Uh, In fact, it's the sixth one here in John's gospel, the sixth I am statement. We've we've seen him call himself the bread of life. Okay, we've seen him call himself the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He said, I am the door of the sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And now we see these words before us. I am the way. Now, remember, back um, for our, just for our own history lesson, these phrases, these I am phrases, you remember, come from the Hebrew name of God, Yahweh, which we translate, I am who I am. Remember those I am statements. That's what's behind this when Jesus says, I am the way. I am who I am. He's claiming divinity. And we see that here again in John fourteen six. I read, I started in verse 1, just to remind us where this comes in the conversation, right? Remember, last week we studied that Jesus was speaking words of comfort to his disciples. Jesus had admitted, hey, I'm troubled, but I don't want you to be troubled. Right? He was, why were they troubled? Remember from last week? Well, there are a lot of things, right? They were, they were troubled because they were told that one would betray him. Uh, they were told that he's going away. And then they were told that Peter would deny him, even this very night. So he's, he's trying to comfort them in the middle of these things. And so we pick up here uh, in verse 4. 
So he says, and where, and where I go, you know. And the way you know. Now, but by now they should have understood what he was talking about. They should have understand, uh, understood that he was leaving earth and about to return to his heavenly father. But, but Thomas claimed ignorance, right? Thomas says in verse 5, Lord, we do not know where you're going and how can we know the way? Again, they should have known. Jesus replied, verse 6, Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's amazing words from Jesus' own lips. I am the way, I'm the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. You had to be thinking, you know, if you're Thomas, maybe you're thinking about directions, right? Okay, if I told you I was going to Winsboro, okay, I'm not from here. How do you get to Winsboro? Tell me how to get there, right? I'll, I'll follow you. I'll go. Jesus doesn't give him, doesn't answer with directions, does he? Doesn't, he doesn't directly answer the question about where he's going, right? Jesus answers the question in a, a much bigger way. Now, when we look at the sentence, that the answer that Jesus said to him, when we look at the structure of it, uh, it the structure of the sentence doesn't show that Jesus is giving a list of descriptive terms. He's not offering them, he's not saying to them this way, I am number one, the way, I am number two, the truth, and number C, the life. Or I am am letter A, the way, letter B, the truth, letter C, the life. Rather, this statement is in its original context or in its original language is given in the elliptical form. And so you can read it this way a little bit different. It helps us understand it. So Jesus was saying this way, I am the way because I am the truth and also because I am the life. Those things are connected in an elliptical form. He says, I, I am the way because I am the true manifestation of the Father. He's told them that, right? I and the Father are one. That's why I'm the way, because I'm the manifestation of the Father. I am the way to the Father because I alone have the power to eternal life. In uh, another place in Scripture over in Acts 4, uh, we are told that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That is the name of Jesus, right? Him being the way. In in 1 Timothy 2, Paul tells us this. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Again, the opening opening of John's Gospel, as we have uh, studied uh, many, many weeks ago, Jesus is described by what? As the only begotten of the Father. So, we say we gave those I gave those three examples. Why? Because John fourteen six is not a new thing. Okay, this is not a new uh, revelation. It is this is not some exceptional statement that came from the lips of Jesus. This this reality that Jesus just set forth, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is this is consistent with the theme that runs through the entire New Testament. 
Jason, wouldn't you also say yeah. it's consistent with the theme of the Old Testament? The, those I am statements are not in a vacuum or only um, the first time you hear the I am is not John 14. Right. When, when God called his people to himself in the Old Testament, he said I am. Yes. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Yes. And what, what turned everyone on their heads was that Jesus said, I who speak to you and he, the same one that could burn in a bush and it not be consumed. Yeah. Everything that you thought about the way to God, the way to serve him, the way to have eternal life, all of those things were to point you to me. Yes, extremely consistent. Yes, thank you for making that, helping make that connection. Indeed, as, as uh, Pastor Matthew has, has said, consistent with even the Old Testament. Right? This is not a new idea. The Old Testament, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, is all about Jesus, isn't it? <laughs> the whole thing is about Jesus. Uh, God has, has provided a road or a path, if you want to say, or a way of redemption, which is the plan from all eternity. Right? It is the plan from all eternity that the second person of the Godhead the Son, the only begotten of the Son, would take on flesh and He would make the way. That's always been the plan. Now, R.C. went back. He said, well, let me, let me bring back in my, my college professor that we were talking about, right? He says, you know, when, when, he says, when I explained all this to her about how he sees this and how he's convinced and the, the, the uniqueness of Christ, she asked a question, a follow-up question, and, and you guys have probably heard this question before. Okay, you've probably been asked this question or you've heard somebody say it. It says, but how can God be so narrow-minded? I thought God was a God of love. How many of you heard that before? How many have been asked that before? Right? She, uh, the professor, like, like so many, and we still see it today, They've accepted the idea that it doesn't really matter what you believe and you can finish the sentence, right? As long as you're sincere, right? People say that. People believe that, right? People believe that. If, if uh, the Ephesians, right, if they were sincere in their worship of Diana, you remember Paul talks about them, right? Uh, then, then they'd be okay. Well, if, if, if the Muslims are sincere in their worship of Allah, then they'd be okay. That's all that matters. That's all that matters, as long as you're sincere. Um, well, well, what we know is they are sincerely wrong, aren't they? Now, that attitude basically says this. What, God doesn't care what you worship. He doesn't care if you worship idols. As long as you worship them sincerely. Although one of the commandments really uh, kind of goes against that, right? Specifically outlaws that. You shall have no other gods before me, right? But people have taken this kind of, of idea and they've made it their they have made it their own. What what this idea that it doesn't matter what you believe or who you believe, right? As long as you're sincere. Remember when uh, how did Jesus was faced with this temptation, wasn't he? And you see where I'm going with this. Remember when he was tempted in the wilderness, 
by Satan himself. What did, what did Satan Satan came to him and says, listen, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He said, I'm going to give all this to you. I'm going to give all you their glory. I'm going to make you, I'm going to give it all to you. All you have to do is do what? What did he say? Bow down and worship me. I give it all to you. Everything. I'll show you everything. You can have it all. I'll give it to you. Bow down and worship me. It, it, this is Satan again. It, it wouldn't hurt you to bow down just to me just for a minute. Just for a second. I can hurt anything. God won't mind. Don't, don't be so narrow-minded. Well, Jesus knew better. What did he say? Get behind me, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and Him only shall you serve. This, this idea of, of just being sincere has, has been forced upon us uh, for years. I know it's, it, uh, I'm not a world traveler. I'm here. I know the context in which I was raised. I know uh, the United States. I know South Carolina. And that what we know in our Constitution, right, of the United States, it basically says that uh, all religions are equally tolerated under the law, right? You're free to, to have whatever religion you want in the United States. But we make a grave mistake when we leap from equality under the law to equal validity before God. You see the difference? Because really, if you think about it, you know, the, I, I'm glad that our Constitution is written that way. It gives, it, it, there's no state religion, right? I get that. I understand it. But it's a, if we take that, that all are equal under the law, meaning as far as the government goes, you can be this or that or whatever, and you're protected. That's one thing, to be equal under the law, but it's another thing to have equal validity before God, right? Because the Constitution doesn't decide, right? It is not the ultimate authority. It may allow it. That don't make it right. Right? All the other religions, I mean, right? It doesn't validate all the other religions and say that they are equal because they're not. If, if people would take that idea as a very dangerous place to stand, isn't it? Because the Scriptures make it very plain, plain as day, that there is a difference between truth and falsehood. There is a difference between the true Messiah and all the false messiahs. There is a difference, right? There is. So we have this amazing statement from Jesus. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Now, this exclusivity, this claim of Jesus, again, as we pointed out, uh, Pastor Matthew reminds us, is not new. It's consistent with all of Scripture. He, he's, not, he's not giving something new revelation here. This is, this is consistent, right? So, he, so Jesus continues. He, he then says to his disciples in verse 7, he says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Here again, Jesus, and we've seen this throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus affirms the oneness between him and the Father. Okay, the oneness between himself and the Father. And he's saying, it, to know me is to know the Father. That's, that's, 
It's in, in the case here with the disciples, he's standing in front of them, right? Face to face. They said, if, if you've seen Jesus in the flesh, if you've seen me in the flesh, it means you've seen the Father. That's, that's how we are one. And here again, we have a disciple who replies with another question. In verse 8, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. And it is sufficient for us. <clears throat> remember the call of Philip. Remember we 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 met Philip early on, right in in the Gospel of John, right back in in uh, the first chapter of John. Uh, the, these these verses. This is this is starting in verse forty three. The call of Philip. He says, "The following day, Jesus went into Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me.'" And Philip, now Philip was from Bethsaida and the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses, of him Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. You will see greater things than these. Now, have they seen... Greater things than that. Think about it. It was three years ago, right? In the timeline. Jesus is basically, right? We could say three years. We'll just go with that, right? From when Philip met Jesus. And he says to the, to the, to the group, you think this is something that I saw you under the fig tree before? I, you're going to see many greater things. Like, um, it's, it's, it's like Philip back to now, the, 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 passage we read it's like philip saying lord we have seen many great things what are some of we, we reviewed these uh, last week the week before right we've watched you change water into wine you fed twenty thousand people you raised lazarus from the dead the 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 old testament uh jews israelites right they, they would have given their lives just to see one of these things Right? One of these amazing miracles that they read about and were looking forward to. They were given their lives just to see one. And Philip and the rest have seen all these things. These amazing, amazing miracles of God. But now he's saying, Jesus, can you just do one more thing for us? Can you just do one more miracle? Can you, can you, can you peel back the curtain of heaven and let us see the Father? Can you do that? Just one more thing. Hmm. Now, if if we have ever seen Christ get agitated with his disciples, I think it's here. Again, just remember what did what did he tell them three years ago? Hey, you're going to see a lot. You're going to see. You think this is amazing? You're going to see many great things. And they've been with him. So now they're coming to this point, and he says, "Can you show us just one more?" 
verse 9 through 11. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. That that first statement, again, if if Christ was ever agitated with them, we could see that, how, how long? Have I been with you so long? And you still don't know me, Philip? Jesus, Jesus patiently and lovingly with his disciples, he went over the whole question again, right? Uh, of his oneness with the Father. You want to see the Father. I, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What, what's kind of behind that? Because, you know, okay, they're seeing God in the flesh, which is amazing. Are they peering into the throne room of God? No. What if what would happen if they did that? What what would happen if Jesus gave him what he asked for? Yeah. <laughs> you, no man can see God and live. Why? Because of sin, right? I mean, we, we in our flesh. Before we're, we, we can't. We can't behold His glory. We would burn up. We'd be obliterated. We'd be nothing. Because why? Because God is so holy and we are so not holy, right? The two cannot be in the same place, right? They, 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 it cannot, cannot be there. So, so, so Jesus goes over this whole question. I, I and the Father am one. He, he reiterated, He reminded them Reminded him to, to see me is to see the Father. He, he is in the Father, the Father is in him. If he is the, uh, the expressed, uh, exp- uh, I guess expression of the Father, right? He is God the Father in the flesh. If you've seen Jesus, Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He and I are one. This is what you see me act like? That's what the Father acts like. Man, that's the character, the things that you see, the the way I deal with people, the way I love people, that's the way the Father loves people. The compassion that you've seen in my life, that's the way the Father is. You know? All these things that Jesus is saying, this is, we're one. Now His, we know that His his divinity is veiled. He's carrying human flesh. Again, a wonderful act of mercy, isn't it? That the God Himself condescended to us, came down to us, took on a human flesh so that we could see and behold Him. An amazing act, right? He, he says that, that all, but every word that you ever heard me say has been given to me by the Father. That's what He, that's what he told them, right? The, the miracles themselves. What is the purpose of it? Well, we know this. The, the miracles themselves validate that Jesus is who he says he is. Who can do those things unless God is with him? Says Nicodemus, right? Who can do those things? He's right. Jesus' uh, last words here in this section, 
uh, were a a challenge to the disciples, and of course, by extension, they are a challenge uh, to us all as well. He says this. He says, "Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves." It was it was time that they, the disciples, there in his hearing, uh, understood that he's the Son of God. I'm it. I'm the Son of God. First of all, because I said it. Right, because he said it, because Jesus said it, you need to believe it. But if that's not enough, then believe because of the miracles, the works themselves. Remind yourself that only God can do that. Only God can raise someone from the dead. Only God can give sight to a blind man. Matthew Henry commentary says, We are to believe the revelation of God to man in Christ. For the works of the Redeemer show forth His glory and God in Him. It's He said it with His mouth. He showed it with His works. Right? He lived it out. It's it's a sure deal. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. It is a 100% sure deal. Right? It's absolute. It's, it is reality. Remember, after... We kind of fast forward a little bit, right? After the resurrection and the timeline again of, of Jesus' life. You remember on the road to Emmaus, that, that wonderful time. I, I, I kind of get chills sometimes every time I read those verses, you know. Um, the road to Emmaus. I think we said, what is it, five or six miles or something? I think the road they were on. Uh, Jesus joins two disciples. You remember they failed to recognize him at first. Didn't recognize who he was. And he walks with them the whole way, right? They have a conversation. They're talking the whole way, right? And what he asked me, he said, Are you the only guy that knows what's going on here? They asked you know, remember Jesus asked him, Hey, why are you so down? Are you the only one who doesn't know what's going on? Well then remember they stopped uh, to eat a meal. And um, so 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 Jesus stops to eat a meal together and he said these words. He says, Oh foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Back to what Matthew was saying about the Old Testament, right? All that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And then beginning in Moses, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures, all the things concerning himself. We find that in Luke 24. What happened after that? Do y'all remember the story, right? They recognized who he was. And then he's gone. Wow. What was it? What, what did he say though? He says, Oh foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe. Now, in that situation that we read in Luke twenty four, he was describing them in that way. But doesn't that also describe us as well? It does, doesn't it? It does describe us. We can be foolish and slow of heart to believe in who Jesus really is. And then to confess Him before the world. Right? That confession. Confessing church. To claim that Jesus is the only way. He is not one of many ways. Jesus is the way. He is the only way to the Father. That's a confession that we have to, we confess that with our mouths. Not to each other, right? It's easy to confess it to each other. We've got to confess it to the world. 
I'll end with a quote from R.C. He says, when we, he says, when we fail to grasp who Jesus is, when we fail to grasp who Jesus is, we leave the door open to the pluralism our world insists on. We must understand that Jesus is the way and confess that truth joyfully before a watching world. We believe it with our hearts. We must also confess it with our mouths. Jesus is the way. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our time this morning. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we pray that you will use it this morning. Father, as we leave our time of uh, Bible study of Sunday school, Father, uh, prepare our hearts now as we go forth into worship. Father, we pray that uh, whatever may distract us from worship, we ask that you take it away. Father, we pray that we will uh, worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, we pray for our pastor as he brings or he leads us our worship service. Father, he leads us in prayer and, and the word. Father, we thank you for him. We thank you for the ministry here that you are using him to do. And we just pray that you will uh, continue to bless our time together today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.